Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Hey there, everybody. Glenn Blakeney here of the Kingdom Community Podcast. want to welcome you wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, afternoon, night. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for being with us. Whether you're watching the live or the on-demand, I know this is going to be a broadcast that greatly encourages you, and I think it's going to challenge you as well, because Jesus is not finished In the midst of all of the crazy stuff that's going around the world, there's still so much that he wants to see accomplished. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Well, guys, tonight you're going to really enjoy um, what we're doing. I know it's going to greatly impact your lives because we have a panel of guys that have committed their life to the propagation of the gospel, the kingdom to the nations, particularly to reach those who are the least reached, those who are gospel poor, so to speak, and those who live in the 1040 window among what is known as unreached people groups. So we're going to start off, we're going to have a discussion tonight about the Great Commission. What has Jesus called his church to do. And one of the things that those of you who know me, I advocate all the time is what if we, at the end of our lives, we stand before the Lord and we find out that the Lord says to us, you know what? You did a lot of good things, but the main thing that I called you to do, that which is of utmost importance to me, you failed to fulfill that in your life. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be said of me. I want to make sure that I keep the main thing, the main thing, and that I really am focused on what Jesus said we are to be doing as his people, as his disciples, and as the church. So we're going to be looking at this topic of reaching the unreached, taking the gospel to the nations. What is our role? What is our responsibility? What are the challenges that are facing the church right now, especially in the midst of this pandemic? It seems that most nations are are optimistic that they're going to be coming out of this and they're going to be opening up in, in the next little while, in the next few months or so. But I want to tell you that Jesus has an open border policy. He wants everyone to come into his kingdom, no matter where they are. And we're called to be citizens of the kingdom of God. What are the challenges that we are facing? And what are some of the amazing stories of redemption of what Jesus is doing around the world through his people? Well, tonight we're going to get right into this. We're going to dive right into this. I'm going to introduce to you, first of all, David Joannis. David is the founder and the CEO of Within Reach Global. I like that name, David. It's an organization that is dedicated to combating gospel poverty by reaching unreached people groups in the 1040 window. David is the host of Missions Pulse uh, podcast, the author of The Mind of a Missionary, The Space Between Memories and Gospel Privilege. And you can learn more about David by heading over to his website, davidjoannis.com. 
davidjoannis.com forward slash about. And then I'm going to bring on next Bevan Ginder. Thank you, Bevan, for being with us as well. We appreciate you joining us. Bevan is the founder of Global Cast Resources, and his focus is on mobilizing, equipping, sending, sustaining missionaries. And in particular, he's really focusing these days uh, on, on really ensuring that the, the people who live in these nations, which we formerly would say, well, these are missions nations. These are now nations where the vast majority of missionaries are being deployed and sent out of. And Bevan is really committed to seeing that happen. And so we appreciate your heart for that. And we have Chris Harrison. Chris, thank you for joining us. And by the way, these guys all live in Thailand. Uh, so Chris is the founder of AIM 1040, a missions organization that um, is headquartered in Chiang Mai, Thailand, has 15 Synergy Bible College locations spanning across the 1040 window. They've graduated 3,715 students in total. 3,110 of those have graduated only in the last decade and uh, continuing to plant churches and minister throughout various nations, Bhutan, Nepal, India, Philippines, Laos, Myanmar, Malaysia, South Korea, and even ministering to the persecuted in North Korea. So we are so blessed to have you with us. Then we have all the way from Thailand, no, from Canada, James Park. <laughs> And James is a good friend, and I love James. He's got such a heart for the kingdom of God. He's a church planning multiplier with E3 Partners. He serves as a pastor of Engage Ministries at Wilmot Center Church in Ontario, Canada. And James and I have had the privilege to be able to travel together and do some missions. So we are really glad that you are able to join us as well. And then we have with us also, and I'm just trying to, find everybody's bio here. I'm sorry to say, guys, that I wasn't able to memorize all your bios, but <laughs> Ryan Shaw is the international lead facilitator of Global Mission Mobilization Initiative, a resourcing ministry equipping the church for mission mobilization through tools, teaching, training, strategies. Ryan is a fourth generation message bearer alternative term for missionary okay ryan graduated from azusa pacific university and he's been involved in um he's got his master's in intercultural studies and so on he's traveled in a mobilization capacity to over 65 nations and ryan also is uh lives in chiang mai thailand all right and then we have with us todd powers todd welcome we're so glad that you're here Todd is the founder and president of Empower International and Empower Children's Education Foundation. He's preached the gospel in over 70 nations and has established ministry bases in Thailand, Myanmar, Pakistan, and the United States. And the primary focus of Empower International is leadership development, church planting, Bible schools, <laughs> mission training, evangelism, children's education, and humanitarian aid. And then last but not least, we have with us all the way from, am I correct that you, Dwight, you're also in uh, Thailand, living in Thailand? Yes. Okay. I, was, I was born here. Oh, you were born here. Wow. I'm actually, amazing. I'm actually a Thai citizen, so I'm Thai. Wow. Amazing. So uh, that's really cool. 
founder of E Star and as a pivotal part of the indigenous FJCCA awakening. So, what is the FJCCA? What does that stand for? Well, actually, we changed our name to the Association of Free Churches in Thailand. Okay. But it's a movement that is spreading throughout central Thailand. Um, we're in the process of finishing every village in the province of Pichit with a house church and moving on from there. Yeah, I was I was reading your bio and I was saying, oh, that is so amazing. Um, this year, even with COVID-19, we've shared the gospel in every village in how do you pronounce it? Fika? Pichit. 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 Easy for me to say. <laughs> okay. Yes. If you're born there, I'm assuming you speak Thai. <laughs> and um, you're looking at um, planning a house church in every one of those villages and a mother church in every district. And then, Lord willing, to go to every village in every province making disciples of Jesus and starting house churches. That's amazing. Wow. What a what a great um, vision you guys have. We really appreciate you being with us. And, you know, my personal passion is um, the mission of Jesus Christ. That's that's who I am. You know, I've I've traveled extensively, but I would say when I first came to the Lord, I had a real encounter with him where he spoke to me about of all places. He spoke to me about Asia took me a long time to get to Asia. I went to the Americas, Europe, and even Africa uh, before I made it to Asia. But uh, I just want to say, you know, I really am blessed to have you guys on the broadcast tonight. Looking forward to just really um, going after this, this particular um, topic. Let's not hold back. Let's talk openly and honestly about where we are at in the world, where the church is at in terms of her um, obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ in what we call the Great Commission. Now, that very term, that terminology, Great Commission, is something that a lot of people really don't understand. They go, we preach the gospel to any, everyone we see. And, you know, we have a lot of uh, unsaved people in, in America or Australia or Canada. So why do we need to be concerned about the 1040 window? So let's just talk a little bit about what it means to fulfill Jesus' commandment, which we call, obviously, the Great Commission. Let's start off with David. David, what is the Great Commission and, and what are we supposed to be doing with the Great Commission? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I mean, March 2018, Barner Report came out with a study that 51% of churchgoers in North America did not know what the Great Commission was. These are final words of second to last words of Jesus, the sending forth to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that he taught his disciples. And uh, so this is not a suggestion. It's a command. And yes, there are many hurting and lost, uh, suffering people in each and every one of our states and places and cities. And uh, yet all men are equally lost, but they're not equally needy, as the saying goes. That is, many don't even have access to the gospel of Jesus whatsoever. 
I'm not talking about they don't know a church or they haven't darkened the doors of a church recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, they have no access to a missionary, a Christian, a church, a Bible. They are unreached. And so if we're looking forward to the culmination of all of eternity, which I see in Revelation 7, 9, that great multitude standing before Jesus from every nation, tongue, tribe, people group, then we do have a responsibility to carry the gospel, yes, in our cities, in our Jerusalems, if you will, Acts 1-8 says, our Judeas, our Samarias, and beyond our boundaries to the ends of the earth. So uh, I do believe God may be speaking to people today to see what is their role in Great Commission fulfillment. It might go beyond their borders and beyond their uh, understanding at present, but God has a big heart and he longs for every he longs that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so uh, that is the command that Jesus gave us, not towards drudgery in following this master that we have, no, but rather joy in joining Jesus on mission. Mm, great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Hey, Todd, why don't you speak into the topic of the Great Commission as well, please? Yeah, it's my pleasure. Glenn, thank you for having me on this uh, roundtable tonight. It's an honor and privilege. Uh I tend to oversimplify things, and I, I, I believe Jesus did too, uh, somewhat. I think that we've complicated things a little bit too much. But to me, the Great Commission is simple, as David was saying. It is Jesus' command to his followers, and I emphasize that. It's Jesus' command to his followers, not just uh, to a few chosen people, but to anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, anyone who's a follower of Jesus, it is his command to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ of, and, and the gospel of salvation to the entire human race. Uh, in, in my New Living Translation, it says to everyone, everywhere. Those are absolutes. To everybody, everywhere. That is the Great Commission. And uh, that's what our aim is, uh, all of us here on this program tonight is to find the very last ones who have never had the opportunity to fulfill Jesus' commission, to bring it to everyone everywhere. And uh, so to me, it's very simple. It's for all of us. It's our responsibility. It was a command, not a suggestion. So every one of us need to pray and find out exactly what God has called us to do specifically to fulfill the mission of Jesus in the earth. Yeah, very good. Thank you. So, Chris, let's talk about um, the church's responsibility in fulfilling the Great Commission. I know that you used to pastor in the United States for a long time. God got a hold of you and really gave you a burden for um, the 1040 window, particularly you're in you're in Asia. Um so so how did that get a hold of you? I mean, you're pastoring a church and I think in Alabama, right? And, yeah, that's right. And yeah. And so what what happened and, and how did that impact you in terms of you saying, hey, you know what, I'm I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna do something here. Well, my heart had been for missions my entire life, actually. Although I had pastored because my dad pastored, and so I followed in his footsteps in pastoring, that's all I knew. But my heart had always been in pastoring, and I got a hold of a book, um, I think around 2005, uh, called The Challenge of Missions. And uh, I believe um, Oswald Smith wrote that from Canada, um, a great pastor there, statesman over 100 years ago that, um, that was big on missions. And he said these words that rung out in my heart, that the supreme task of the church is the evangelism of the world. 
the supreme task of the church is the evangelism of the world. He said there's there's nothing else we should be doing or focused on or thinking about except the Great Commission. And uh, I had a vision and dreams of going to the nation since I was very young. But there just never was a and this is a terrible excuse, but never was a good time, you know, so to speak, that I could find to say, OK, this is the time. Let's go. So I would do like a lot of us and take short term trips and be gone for a month or be gone for two weeks. And and uh, I traveled as a, a you know, um, doing uh, short term trips for um some 15 years i've been preaching for 29 years but for 15 years I, I did you know four to six trips a year taking teams with me and planting churches all over the world as we went and then uh, pastoring a church um three years ago the church was uh really at the height that it had ever been the most people that had ever come to the church the best financially we had ever been we were totally debt free we were kind of living what you'd call the pastor's dream where everything was going right the church was totally packed uh, there were no financial issues there was no natural reason to leave and yet everything within me said it's time to go um, we've got to go because america has heard um, and 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 now we've got to go to where they haven't heard it we've got to do more than send money and send torture short-term uh, uh, teams, we got to put our money where our mouth is, and somebody's got to actually get up and do it and be an example of what it looks like. And so, after speaking to my wife, she was totally on board, and so we actually sold everything we had. And listen, I don't, I don't say that everybody should do what we did, but we did what we did in only three months. We actually sold everything we had, resigned from the church when it was packed and doing very well, and we left. Without, uh, in fact, we had we had uh, planted Bible schools and, and churches in many nations, but in Thailand we had not planted any churches, and we did not know a single person in Thailand. But I knew it was the center of the 1040 window, and if we wanted to have a, a kind of a center of all the things we were going to do, it needed to be Thailand. So we uh, packed up what we had left. We sold everything that we had, and only just what we could carry. We brought with us. That's all we had. Sold, sold everything else and came to a place where we did not know a single person uh, with the desire to um, to raise up and train up people who are from the 1040 window to be sent back out to the 1040 window as missionaries. And that's why we came here and God has done miraculous things since we've been here, including literally supernatural miracles and healing, the blind seeing and the lame walking and many churches being planted uh, and many things happening. So it's been awesome, but that's how it happened. It was, uh, I was very happy pastoring, but God was just on me and he said, you can't keep pastoring. It's time to move on. It's time to do what I've told you to do since you were very young. Wow. Awesome. Well, thank God for your obedience. Praise God. And then a lot of lives have been touched because you guys uh, listen to the Lord. So, Dwight, you've been involved uh, in really kind of getting a pulse on the needs in Thailand. I'd love for you just to kind of tell, share with the audience what, what are some of the challenges that, that you're facing in advancing the kingdom and preaching the gospel there? Well, let me... Uh... First of all, I have a, I'm 65 years old, so I literally have a 65-year history here. In fact, the house behind me is the house I was born here in Thailand. Wow. My parents came here 72 years ago. Wow. After high school, I did go to the States and uh, actually ended up having a college degree, master's degree, and had my own software business until God told me to sell it all. I returned back home 
in 2006 and met all the Thai church leaders, the top ones, and they said, Dwight, we've been praying for someone like you to be the research coordinator for the Thai church. So with that, they asked me to find out where all the churches were and where the churches weren't. And so I created, there's a map online you can go see and you can find out where the, the you know, the churches are. And, and uh, one of the, and, and by the way, I do this for not only Thailand, but I have maps for Laos, all the churches in Laos, Cambodia, you know, several countries. Um, but one of the things that really struck me in 2016, I brought the village, the data down to the village level in Thailand and discovered that only 5% of the villages have been reached with the gospel. We've been hearing Christian message has been in Thailand for 200 years, um, and only 5% of the villages have been reached. Here in Chiang Mai, of course, it's a little different. We have 2% of the population and 25% of the Christians, but most provinces have nothing. And so the big challenge is, is just going to where the gospel hasn't been. I'm a huge believer in the Great Commission, but where the word nations means, if you get the root word of it, it means that it starts with villages. Um, and I, I'm firmly believe that we got to go to all the villages. And what we found out is very true, is that 95% of the villages in Thailand have never heard the gospel message. In over 200 years, nobody's gone there. And so with this indigenous group, we have over 400 church planners that go out daily, uh, starting um, sharing, sharing Jesus with people and starting community of believers. So uh, to me, it's just we got to go to where they've never heard. And, and, uh, and I've got the data down to every village that doesn't have the gospel. So uh, that's what we're reaching, how we're doing it. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So, Ryan, um, what what's your experience been in terms of some of the the good, the bad, the ugly challenges, um, breakthroughs? Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. Well, in terms of challenges, I like to kind of look at the macro level of the Great Commission. What is hindering the church from going forth and doing? what Jesus told us to do, as we just kind of outlined. And I think one of the key uh, hindrances is we've understood it as for a few people, and that's already been mentioned. So the idea that every believer has a role in the Great Commission is totally not grasped yet. And so I think that's one of the, the biggest hurdles. That is what motivated uh, me to be involved in the type of missions ministry that I'm involved in, which is almost 100% focused on mobilization. Um, so I am committed to helping uh, churches, mainly in the global south, to understand the concept of the Great Commission, to understand their role in the Great Commission, so that we can have a lot more laborers so when Jesus said, uh, you know, the laborers are few, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, I don't think he was laying out his plan for the whole age. I think what he was saying was, at present, there's only a few of us, so hey, I want you to pray. I want you to do an action step here called prayer. Now, throughout the last 2,000 years, you know, we haven't had a lot of laborers. I feel like one of the key reasons why is it because Jesus wants it that way. No, of course not. He wants the whole church to be laborers, but in their individual different roles. And, and I think it's crucial to, I think when, when people hear a talk like this sometimes about missions, sometimes they feel in the back of their heads, well, they, all, they want me to become a, a message bearer, missionary is alternative term. I think we need believers who are doing so many different kinds of roles, but all feeding into 
Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Great Commission, right? So in Dallas, where you are, Glenn, uh, there are unreached peoples coming to our cities, migrating. Who's reaching out to them? Who's talking to them? And so finding every believer, finding our roles, I think that's one of the key challenges that we need to overcome. And it starts with seeing the Great Commission uh, a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, Bevan, um, I'd love to hear your your experiences, your insight into um, the challenge of getting the church, you know, mobilized. Uh, yeah, please share. Yeah, thanks. I, I love this topic so much, and uh, it's such a privilege to connect with you. And thank you for anybody who's tuning into this. May you be multiplied. <laughs> so uh, my, my uh, favorite definition, my favorite perspective on the Great Commission on missions is to reframe it as a story that God is telling. Because I think most people think task first. So to reframe it as a story that he's telling and this amazing tendency that he has to just invite ordinary, weak people like us to play key roles in the story. <laughs> I love that. And so this is just like everybody plays as a real important theme that uh, that we have. And the good news is that right now in the world today, God is raising up amazing new workers from what we are calling the global South, Asia, Africa, and Latin America. And so, uh, you know, they're saying, yes, many, many from this generation are saying, here am I, send me. But there is uh, significant challenges in that in many cases, those places, the, the local church still has this mentality of being a mission field rather than uh, a mission force. And wow. so I see two big challenges. One is how can we multiply more senders? Because we already have people saying, yes, here am I, I want to go. How can we multiply more senders? And then secondly, how can we multiply more Barnabases? Because God is raising up Saul's who are becoming Paul's, but the key for that process was a Barnabas. So how can we train more leaders with that heart of Barnabas to come alongside of these new Pauls he's raising up. Yeah. Could you just, uh, just, you know, just kind of double click on that whole thing about Barnabas for a moment, because a lot of people really, uh, I feel personally, you know, sometimes I, I I throw that question on and say, who was the most influential person in the new Testament next to Jesus Christ? And, you know, my answer is Barnabas. Wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so why why was Barnabas so significant? I'm such a big fan of Barnabas because he was willing to take a risk on this, you know, risky guy, a flawed, unpolished guy, and and just walk with him. And I love how, as we see the Book of Acts unfold, it was first saying Barnabas and Paul, but then later on it starts to say Paul and Barnabas. So this guy was willing to be the sidewalk to release this guy to go further than and become even more influential than himself. And I just so convinced that we have training for the Pauls, but we need to actually develop training for this key role of leaders with the heart of Barnabas who are going to, no matter what their primary calling is, are going to identify and really invest in 
the new workers God is raising up. Yeah, awesome, awesome. You know, I, I was reading um, recently that something like now with, as you mentioned, the what was known as the, the mission field is now the mission force, the global mm-hmm. south. And that now only 30% of world missionaries are coming from the United States. David, right. would you just speak into that? Well, how have... How has this changed and, and, and what's going on? And tell us what you were doing uh, through within Reach Global in terms of raising up others who are actually from the harvest for the harvest, so to speak. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, I will definitely uh, make this short because I think there are other guys on here who are experts in this. But uh, around the year 1900, 92% of all missionaries were sent from Western countries, namely Canada, America, uh, UK, different parts of UK. And uh, today it is drastically different. Like Bevan was saying just a second ago, the mission field has now become the mission force. I mean, we're seeing Kenyans and Filipinos and Indonesians, Brazilians being sent out into these places that are hard to reach. They're the final frontiers. Uh, In fact, I'll tell you what, I'm married into the Philippines. My wife is from the Philippines and we're seeing an influx of Filipinos come. Um, man, what I love, if people who uh, don't look like the traditional visual of an, a missionary in years past, uh, they're not those who are wearing a pith helmet, you know, maybe being boiled by cannibals as we have this negative connotation of what a missionary is. But what I see Filipinos and global South believers who are moving into these areas, they're able to skirt under the radar many times in Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, and uh, there are incredible stories being told in the houses of kings and sultans and paupers uh, because of those who are giving their lives, um, who have received the gospel, taking it and extending it beyond. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, we just recently, um, our son just married a Filipina just a few months ago. So we, you know, have a, <laughs> so it's official now. Hey, James Park, uh, as a pastor... Um, I know you have gone through somewhat of a, a transition in, or maybe a paradigm shift in terms of what God has called you to do. What are some of the challenges you see and you face as a pastor in terms of getting, uh, you know, the congregation, your congregation uh, to really jump on board with the Great Commission? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, thanks for asking. You know, I just am so honored to be on this panel. Um, I'm learning a lot from everyone here. Uh, there's so much wisdom here. And uh, I feel like I'm just coming into this now. You know, I've uh, been serving as a pastor for just a few years. And um, what I'm finding is that, like um, what I think it was taught, I, or what one of the others had said, that the Great Commission um is viewed by a lot of the you know the church-going people as something the pastor does or a missionary does. So we'll we'll fund them to do the work of the Great Commission, and um, just habitual church attendance is the way of Jesus, you know. And so that mindset to shift it has been very difficult. Um, but one of the key issues was that you know the reason why in here in Canada why less than 2% of churchgoers share their faith is because they don't know how. They mm-hmm. they haven't had to, right? They've been in their bubbles and 
their friends and their social networks are all from the church or the Christian world. And so kind of, you know, navigating outside of that is foreign. And so, you know, simple things like how to share your testimony or how to share the gospel in a way that's, you know, more conversational. These things are, you know, foreign. And so uh, I'm with an organization called E3 Partners that develops simple, reproducible tools so that it can be easily trained to anyone of any age to, to be able to, you know, articulate what the gospel is, is and why Jesus made such a difference in my life. Uh, so that we can, you know, share it freely with our neighbors, our co-workers, those within our spheres of influence. And so, you know, it's not just about going uh, to other nations, which, I mean, I love going to other places in the world. You know, Glenn, when we were in the Philippines together, that was amazing, right? I've been to Malaysia and just seeing the, yeah. the move of God happen in places like that. It's awesome. But, you know, for, for us here in Canada, like we desperately need the gospel to be um, presented well, like it's been presented in maybe counterfeit ways. And especially among the, the native peoples, they view the gospel as residential schools or they view the gospel as, you know, abuse. And so, you know, when they hear the name Jesus, they, 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 they go in, you know, different places in their minds. Yeah. Um, but we need to articulate, you know, what is the gospel for real? And people need to be trained in, in, in the churches to be yeah. able to share that. And so, yeah, it's about um, equipping the saints uh, to do the work of the ministry in a way that's very simple, conversational. Great, yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah. So, Todd, you've been uh, involved ex in traveling extensively to many nations. Mm -hmm. Hey, just a real simple question for you. Is the darkness getting darker? Is the light getting brighter? Is it both? I mean, is the kingdom of God... Is the church growing? Is the church increasing? Or is just the enemy, you know, just continuing to to uh, do his thing? Well, what I'm seeing uh, personally and what I see, I believe we see in the scriptures is, according to Isaiah, that uh, gross darkness will cover uh, the people. But God says to his people to arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And so uh, I believe there is tons of darkness out there. Uh, some of the things that uh, you see humans doing to other humans, when you think of the, the global pandemic of human trafficking, of slavery, modern-day slavery, when you see the, the drug abuse and the addictions and the promiscuity and destroyed families and all that, it appears that uh, darkness is getting... Uh, really dark out there, and that is dark. But the answer, the solution to that is God's people uh, grasping and, and embracing Jesus' heart for those who are lost and dying and, and who are in such pain right now. Uh, the answer to that is for us to arise and shine. Uh, the, there's no darkness that could possibly put out light. And uh, this is something that we have to do as as leaders in the body of Christ, as pastors, as missionaries, as uh, whatever whatever role we have as leaders is we have to ignite a passion in the hearts of God's people to be a light everywhere they go. I was just in Chicago this weekend. And, uh, you know, if you watch the news much, you think that 
you know, Chicago is burning, you know, it's, it's, you know, going to hell fast, but I'm telling you, there is a move of God, but it's, it's, it's when God's people get ignited with his passion and his love for, for others that uh, you can see neighborhoods changing. You see communities changing. You see families changing. You hear the testimonies because someone had the courage, ignited a passion within them, Jesus passion to reach other people. And then we train them, equip them, send them out and, and uh, the darkest, the worst, the, the most broken places, you can see God moving in such powerful ways. So, yeah, there's darkness. Uh, I mean, you look at the political situations, uh, you look at what's happening in Myanmar right now with the military coup and the oppression that's come back upon the people. Yeah, there's darkness everywhere. But I believe there is a great revival that is breaking out and it's coming from God's church and it's coming from leaders that are igniting the people and and equipping the people and sending them out uh kind of like the stories you hear in the bible you know of revival breaking out uh and i believe that's the reason why god has uh promised us the power of the holy spirit uh, it's not so that we can have goosebumps and and run around and swing from the chandeliers in our church right. god's given us the holy spirit to empower us to go out there and change the world and and burn for jesus and yeah. see people's lives radically transformed. Yeah. Well, and, you know, for me personally, I, I had someone that I know who who pastors a church more in a uh, evangelical denomination, and I, I'm charismatic. I was born into the things of the Spirit, and and I've traveled and seen a lot of miracles, and, and I believe in that, but I also understand the what you just said, Todd, that— the power that Jesus gave to mm-hmm. the church, that dunamis power in Acts 1-8, is to reach the nations. Yeah. And uh, I know, Chris, you've seen a lot of miracles um, in Thailand and other places. So obviously that's a big part of, of how you've been seeing breakthroughs in areas. Why don't you just share with us some of the things you've been seeing the Lord do? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I want to. I want to tell you that uh, I just something was in my heart that I wanted to share. I, I had sure. seen recently that uh, Barna Research came out with something saying there are 210 million um, adults in America, and 65 million of them used to attend church. And what they said is about 2.7 million people a year are leaving the church in America, um, and it coincides with something that began to happen about. 20 to 25 years ago when this decline started to happen. And that was the power of the Lord beginning to be pushed aside and replaced with what's known as a seeker sensitive type of a movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was even as a pastor caught up with some of that. I wanted to see the numbers. I wanted to see more people coming in and I tried to, to get involved with that. And I began to miss the Holy spirit. I began to miss the things of God and say, but, but what about the presence of God? But what about the miracles? And so here in Thailand, when we, we you know, when we got right off the plane and we began to, we, the first thing we were told when we got here is don't expect any fruit for at least five to seven years. That's what we were told. You're not going to, they said Thai people don't come to Christ. You're not going to see any fruit for five to seven years. And, and just in a, ma- a matter of about five to seven months, um, we saw more than 100 people come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it happened with one particular miracle where a woman who couldn't use her left arm and was in terrible pain, who had had a wreck, she wasn't able to get it fixed. And we shared the gospel with her and several of her friends. She received the gospel. Um, um, nothing happened right then. We, there's a picture of us laying hands on her. 
But um, she had a dream, actually. She, she, she called out to Jesus all night. She said, I couldn't get the gospel off my mind. And she called to God. She called out to Jesus all night long. And in the middle of the night, she had a dream. And in the dream, uh, Jesus appeared and he reached down with a package, a gift, and gave it to her. And when she opened the gift, um, she woke up from the dream. And when she woke up from the dream, she was healed of this affliction. Her arm was able to lift up. In fact, every time we see her to this day, she throws both her arms in the air, you know, to show us, hey, I'm still healed. And uh, she woke up her whole house. She told her whole neighborhood. In fact, she brought everyone out that weekend, that Saturday, and invited us back to share with her whole family um, about Jesus. We did. And God did more miracles and healings in several people's lives. In fact, we stopped counting when we got to 40 miracles, we said, you know what? This is going to be a regular thing. We're going to be seeing people healed every weekend. So we're going to stop counting and keeping up with it. It's just a norm. This is normal Christianity. Sure. And so uh, we begin to see miracles along with many salvations and, and, and the salvations people given there is not just salvations, but discipleship. I think sometimes we get caught up with saying how many people raised their hand and, and made, made a, made a decision for Christ, but he didn't say go into all the world and get people to raise their hand or go into all the world and, and, and get people to, uh, to acknowledge Jesus. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And the reason I want to say that is um, when I first came to Thailand, a brother, I wouldn't say his name, but a brother that does uh, mass evangelism. And by the way, I'm all for that. I'm for every kind of evangelism. Anyway, we can share the gospel. But he said, hey, I'm glad to hear that you're uh, going to Thailand. He said, we've seen 280,000 people come to Christ in our crusades there in in, uh, in Thailand over the last several years. And, and, I, and I thought to myself, well, that's strange because um, there's only 300 and some odd thousand believers in Thailand. Uh, and uh, that number hasn't changed in the last decade that we've been doing crusades here. And, and I only bring that up not to be mean to him, but to say that we're called to make disciples. That it's not just about having crusades and saying how many people raise their hands, but to make disciples. Right. And, and that begins with going door to door, finding a person of peace, laying hands upon the sick, staying in that person's house as, as long as we can, um, you know, bringing, bringing their neighbors together, sharing the gospel with them, teaching them to lay hands on the sick. And I'll say this finally, um, one of the greatest things we've seen in all the, the, the house church planting that we've seen is that um, we taught them to lay hands on the sick. We've got many pictures now of people that two years ago, they didn't even know Jesus was was uh, existed. They never heard of Jesus before. Now they're laying hands on the sick. Now they're casting out demons. Now they're going and having outreaches every weekend, whether we're with them or not. In fact, most of the time we're not with them. And they're out there preaching the gospel, laying hands on the sick and seeing God do miracles. And boy, and that's a really exciting thing to see, man. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. Praise God. Well, you know, Jesus said this. He said that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. Then he healed the man. Right. So ultimately, it's to show, you know, the Bible talks about signs and wonders bearing witness and so on. So, yeah, absolutely. OK, so um, listen, guys, people there. There's a hunger. There are people that want to give their lives to a greater cause, you know, uh, a purpose that, and, and I've met people that have been successful, but they really haven't tasted of significance. And, and I just love for a couple of you guys to speak into this, two or three of you, how, what would you say to those who, who are saying, look, I, I'd love to step out and, 
and jump into missions and what what advice would you give them i could go first if sure. you'd like yeah go ahead <clears throat> thank you um we deal a lot with uh people that express that desire that they feel like God is leading them, but they don't know how to get started. One of the things I love to do is help people discover what their purpose is and then discover ways to pursue that and actually fulfill their purpose. And so what so I try to keep things simple with people so that it's not too complicated for them, but I believe it all begins with prayer uh, to pray and listen in your heart, in your by listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I believe God still speaks to people today, just like he used to, as we read in the Bible. But to begin to pray, and then uh, I know that Paul and Barnabas were brought up earlier. And if you remember in Acts chapter 13, uh, it says that the people were together in prayer. And, and, and it says that as they prayed, the Holy Spirit said, separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And so I believe that it's very important that people pray and they understand that the Holy Spirit is leading them to do this. And then, uh, as you see in those scriptures as well, that God connected them together with other people. There's, there's people connection and there's geographic connection. And so one of the things I tell people who are aspiring missionaries or you know, wanting to launch out and do something in a new nation is do not go by yourself and don't try to start your own little separated uh, work, you know, trying to make it yourself. I encourage people to find organizations that are doing amazing things and producing great results for the kingdom of God and then go serve in those organizations. Give of your talents, your time, your abilities into helping move the kingdom of God forward by being part of a team. You know, we see this in the scriptures that uh, God's all about team. Jesus, if Jesus had to have a team, then uh, I think that it's probably a good concept that we promote that. And again, that also begins with prayer. And that is that God would connect you to the right team. And so I really encourage people to do that. Start praying about it. Pray that God will connect you to the right people. Don't go by yourself, but actually connect with a, a strong team uh, that God puts you and makes you a part of. Yeah, great, great advice. Someone else? Yeah, I mean, somebody's yeah, sitting here in the pandemic and they're saying, I want to, I just want to be used by Jesus. What? <laughs> so go ahead, Ryan. It's pretty important to, I, I've found over my years now living on the field, uh, 17 years in different countries, Turkey and elsewhere, uh, how often missionaries come out without a lot of home ministry experience of any kind, or uh, at least working with cross-cultural situations. And so what we like to encourage uh, people who really have a heart for the nations, something that's starting to kind of simmer within them, say, you know, go out, find uh, a different people wherever you live, a different ethnic group, a different national uh, group, um, and start hanging out with them. Start sharing your testimony. Gather a few people together to study the Bible a little bit uh, so that they start to get the experience. Um, so that when they then come on the field, it's, okay, now you're dealing with a, a completely separate set of issues that are very, very foreign to you, whereas you have the experience then in your back pocket from home. And so I've been surprised how many come out having almost zero 
uh, ministry experience among a cross-cultural situation, even in their hometown, in their home neighborhoods. Uh, like I said earlier, migration is such in the world that there are unreached peoples all around us. Go find some and hang out with a family, hang out with a group uh, and learn about them and then learn to share the gospel and have a little Bible study with them. I think this is crucial. Yeah, awesome. All right, someone else would like to speak into that? Yeah, I think motivation for missions is crucial and I would really encourage people to constantly reevaluate Am I keeping Jesus at the center for my motivation for missions? Because being used by God is so great when you see fruit in ministry is so great, but it's a very easy drift then to to make my source of life uh, being used by God and seeing fruit in ministry. And we have to keep on coming back and saying, Jesus is on the throne of my life, not the, not the lost. And the Moravians are a wonderful model for us in that, in that their rallying cry was, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. So they're pouring their life out for the loss, but Jesus and the lamb and his worthiness was their main motivation. Yeah, great, thank you, thank you. So um, let me just ask you, David, uh, Joannis, I know you ministered before you were in Thailand, you, you were involved in ministry in China and uh, you, you've, seen a lot of things what what's going on right now in in terms of the the pandemic um are you guys seeing the kingdom advance it's kind of is everybody in retreat mode maintenance mode what what's happening yeah well china's story uh of the past continues today i mean early on okay. boxing rebellion uh the slaughtering of many christians and some missionaries all the missionaries get kicked out in 1949 we think there's no church when in fact there's over 120 million by some estimates um today the pandemic is one of a myriad of different difficulties that the chinese brothers and sisters are facing i mean persecution oppression uh constant following by plainclothes police and geotagging it's a difficult time in china for chinese church however what i'm seeing more than ever is indigenous movements people rising up and taking the gospel to their own nooks and crannies and cities and ethnic tribes and it's going forth um just uh, two months ago some of our local missionaries were caught by the police jailed for about the two or three of them about two days and then the rest about 12 days and uh, some of them even had cigarette butt burns on their faces so going beyond covid uh, narrative you know uh, this is an ongoing difficulty of just being a christian in china and yet they are sold out to jesus christ and seeing his kingdom advanced uh, I'm on a constant stream of texts and updates on my phone from different uh, private chats of all these people who are hearing the gospel for the very first time and churches being planted, disciples being made. So um, I think what you what you do, the things that you do daily show clearly what you value. And uh, if you are out sharing the gospel, telling others about this great grace that has come into your life, it is clearly telling the priority of your life that you you exist for the glory of God. And I can certainly say that of our local missionaries at Within Reach Global and many other movements throughout China and beyond China throughout this 
a whole region in Southeast Asia and the 1040 window. This is happening. Where there's persecution, there is more growth because it weeds out those who are not serious. And yet it draws those who say, Amen. I've been completely transformed by the gospel. I have no choice but to share it. And that's what we're seeing right now. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, hey, just one qu final question before um, we let you guys go. And I really appreciate our time. It's been good. I mean, we're just scratching the surface. And like I said earlier, I definitely would love to have you guys back. And I think it'd be better if we had one or two. <laughs> we can really go a little deeper into some of these things. But, you know, Jesus said there's not a scarcity of harvest. The harvest is great. It's plentiful. The workers are few. So how do we uh, shift the church from a consumer mindset? You know, Chris mentioned about the whole seeker sensitive thing where it's egotistical. It's about me. What's in it for me and what can I get out of it? You know, uh, some of the statistics that we read in terms of what people spend, like, for example, um, this is just being very candid and very practical mm -hmm. if i were to post something on facebook again this is kind of in the context of, of charismatics more so but you know hey we we're going to have a conference on the prophetic come and you know somebody's going to speak over your life and give you a word from god and and nothing wrong with that i believe in that and god, god definitely speaks but what if we, we say, hey, we're going to have, uh, you know, a, an online conference. And we're going to talk about reaching um, the unreached, <laughs> finishing the task. You know, there's um, all these 17,000 plus ethnic groups, Joshua Project, right, whatever. And then you've still got uh, X amount of ethnic groups, people groups, unreached, you know, six, close to 7,000, whatever it may be. Um, very... Few people are interested. What's up with that? And how do we change this? Um, I mean, how do we yeah. move the church from beyond that? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Now, obviously, I speak from a Thai context more than a foreign context because I'm right. I, but I, uh, I will share from my viewpoint what I've discovered here in Thailand, and I think it, it will apply to the United States. We've been bringing religion to people to, for too long. Hmm. And here in Thailand, one of the keys we found in the gospel is we bring relationship with Jesus, not religion. And we lead with religious words. Okay, we lead with sin. We lead with all these, these Christian words that, um, that Thai people don't want. They have their own religion. And I really think it's the same problem in the United States. They're just sick and tired of religion. And, uh, but if we bring a relationship with Jesus Christ, that there's God, he's the... Jesus is God. He's the true God. He's the only God to save you. You have a problem in life, Jesus can help you. And you bring a relationship first. And then later on, you can teach the religious side, if you will, during the discipleship process. But I think here in Thailand, what we found is the key is, uh, is bringing Jesus first. And that's when you bring Jesus first. Obviously, the miracles will happen. But when we bring religion first, they're, they're not interested, especially if a white man goes and brings religion first. The gospel doesn't grow. But when a Thai person comes or in the United States, an American comes, and says, hey, you got a problem in life? Jesus can help you. And then you bring that, and then later on you introduce them to all the sin and all the religious stuff. That's what I found is the key here in Thailand and why the gospel is people are hungry for that. And uh, all the things that we've done for 200 years hasn't been effective. So I know I'm pretty strong on that. Um, 
But uh, I've seen it here in practice here in Thailand, and I also believe it applies to the United States. Bring Jesus. What I mean by that, bring uh, relationship with Jesus first, and then bring the Christian terminology later. Yeah. Can I Thank interject? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I loved what was just shared. Um, and let me just preface what I was going to say with this. I think uh, it's been the tendency of missionaries many times because uh, of what they see and maybe feeling a bit disheartened what they see when they go back to their home countries. There's this tendency to like be angry at their home church and kind of condemn them and say, you guys don't care. You're not doing enough, you know, uh, whatever. And feeling making American churches or I'm speaking about American churches because that's where uh, I'm from. But uh, I, I think it's important that we don't do that as missionaries. We don't go bash the American church. We have to inspire the American church. We have to create an enthusiasm and a passion for Jesus' mission. And telling somebody that they're not doing good isn't what's going to inspire them. So anyway, the, I preface what I want to say with that because I believe that in the American church, and again, I'm speaking directly to that because that's where I am and that's where I work. But um, I think that there's three things that really came to mind when thinking about this question that you just asked. And we're dealing with uh, idolatry and not in the sense of religious idolatry of worshiping images and different things like that. But there's idolatry in the American church in the sense that it's all about self. The, the idol has become self. And we, and, and we see that Christians even in this kind of society have elevated self above others and elevated self above God. And uh, that, that creates the, the trend that we're seeing now. Um, we also see carnality. I believe that there's such a spirit of the world in the American church that, and it goes along with the idolatry, that uh, it, it's just caused people to say, I don't care. I just want to live the kind of life I want to live. And I hope that God's grace will help me through you know, to, to eternity. And then, and then we see a bit of a celebrity style of culture in the church where it's kind of like, you know, who's the hottest preacher and who, where's the hottest music and, you know, who's got the best broadcasts and who has the most followers on YouTube and social media. And, and when you combine all that into, uh, you know, Jesus church, it, it tends to really water it down and weaken it and, and make it ineffective. So I believe that the issue is a top-down thing. If, if, if God's leaders in our nation, in the, in the United States, will, will experience personal revival, and, and we have to understand that we as leaders produce what we are. So if we have a bunch of carnal Christians in our churches, that's probably because we have a bunch of carnal pastors in, our church, in, our, in, in the pulpits. So, so I believe that God wants to bring revival in our leadership and get rid of the idolatry, get rid of the carnality, get rid of the, the celebrity uh, culture in our churches. Uh, someone mentioned earlier about being seeker friendly. I believe that people want to experience God. They want to hear his word. They want to experience uh, his working and transforming their lives. And that's not going to happen if we continue in this carnality, idolatry and, and celebrity culture. I believe that the, the more we get into Jesus, the question is the modern church embracing mission. If we will get the modern church into Jesus, on fire for Jesus, a heart for Amen. Jesus, I believe that if they love God, they will love what God loves. If they have a passion for God, they'll have a passion for souls. 
I believe that if we can just get people so into Jesus that that uh, they'll get into what he's into. And he's into missions. He's into reaching the nations. He's into reaching into unreached people groups. He's into making disciples and, and commissioning his church to reach the world. So I believe that if we can just get the modern church back into a passionate relationship for Jesus, uh, it, it's a big key to uh, releasing, mobilizing, getting the job done through the church. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Very good. Thank you, Todd. You know, I guess the truth is when you look, when you read the Gospels, you see that the people who um, were didn't like Jesus were the people, obviously, that wanted him to go to the cross ultimately and it was by and large religious leaders but the common people the sinful people quote unquote very open and that's been my experience as well you know when people see christ they really see you know one of my friends from zimbabwe we we just had a conference and he was preaching and and he he kept saying we represent jesus and in you know his english his british english i guess it was using the word represent not represent and it's so true we represent jesus we that's what we're called to do is represent him to this generation and when people encounter as chris shared about the miracles um, man, they cannot deny that when something powerful happens like that, when they encounter the love of God and, and just it, it just brings change and transformation. I believe we're living in a time where God is doing a great work of reformation. And the primary piece, really, that I believe is equipping the whole church to become a body that's needs to be the emphasis to raise up you know his body on the earth and and that's so much uh, a part of what you guys are involved in in terms of not only doing ministry but equipping others to do so as well so we greatly appreciate you guys being with us um, thank you so much and i just want to encourage people to share this video and you can check out um, different websites for our speakers that are on this video today and learn more about the ministries they're involved with. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. As I said, I want to definitely get you back and maybe do some one-on-one -on -one where we can really just talk uh, in, about the specific things that you're seeing in the ministry the Lord's entrusted to you. So thank you. I appreciate you guys. look forward to thank seeing you. you again. You have a blessed day over in uh, Asia and those in North America. Uh, you know, it's evening here or nighttime. <laughs> have a good night. Thanks. And, thank you, uh, brother. Yeah, all right. God bless. bless you guys. Thank you bless so you much. Thank you, you so go. much. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, what, a, what an incredible broadcast, guys. What an incredible broadcast. I hope you were really encouraged that God is moving around the world and the church is called to fulfill the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is our calling. This is our mandate. This is our passion. And I believe that we are going to see such an harvest after the pandemic i believe we're going to see it's already happening but we're going to see an even greater harvest well my name is glenn blakeney and i'd love for you guys 
to connect with us and the kingdom community. We offer training and equipping once a month. It's on the third Wednesday of each month online. All you need to do is head over to kingdomcommunity.global forward slash mentoring. And we are doing training with people from all over the world. We have an international team on discipleship, on on um, becoming an apostolic force on the earth, really understanding what the gospel of the kingdom is. Just head over to kingdomcommunity.global, learn more about us and what we offer. We want to work with you to see the Great Commission fulfilled, your purpose in God's kingdom ultimately uh, come to pass. God is moving powerfully on the earth. We are in an incredible season and an incredible time of harvest. So bless you guys. We appreciate you. We are so glad that you were able to join us for this broadcast. See you next time. Have a blessed day, evening, wherever you are in the world. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast. In the U.S. Army, you can make a choice to make your mark. With over 200 fields to choose from, you can join forces with us and take on anything. Visit GoArmy.com to answer, what's your warrior?